When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. America's fastest growing TV brand, TCL, brings you Mackie and Judd. It's Tuesday at 5 o'clock, so that can only mean one thing. It's football, football hour. Yeah. Got to eat. Matthew Collar. It's Courtney Cronin. Manny Judd. Football! Football! Unfortunately, I'd like to start off with a serious football discussion topic and not the ordinary long-snapping BS that we <laughs> partake in, as you, two, as you two at times make completely inappropriate comments that I find to be very offensive. Ruben Foster. All right. So on Saturday or on Friday, he's a member of the 49ers. On Saturday, he's still with, with the team, and he has a he has a background in uh, that, that includes domestic violence allegations. I think is fair to say. Correct. Uh, on Saturday, there is an incident at the Hyatt Hotel in Tampa where the 49ers are going to play that involve him and more domestic violence allegations to the point of where he is taken away by the cops and incarcerated in Tampa. The 49ers play on Sunday against the Buccaneers and at the same time or before that game announced that he is gone because they essentially brought him back and said, we will give you one more chance. And if something happens, that's it. And so, so the team wisely probably made the decision to release him. This comes as no surprise, but it's still an interesting talking point. This afternoon, and I'm going to read part of the statement from Senior Vice President of Player Personnel and former National Football League quarterback Doug Williams, who now works for the Washington Redskins. This comes from the team. Today we have claimed the rights to linebacker Reuben Foster. The Redskins fully understand the severity of the recent allegations made against Reuben. If true, you can be sure these allegations are nothing our organization would ever condone let me be clear, Ruben will have to go through numerous steps, including the full legal process, duh, an investigation and potential discipline from the National Football League, as well as meetings with counselors associated with the team, blah, blah, blah. It goes I'm on. I'm sure he'll take that seriously. It goes on, but the point is, once again, this league shows us, if you're Colin Kaepernick and you've offended the league and the owners, you are persona non grata. You're out. You're not getting a job. If you've offended the legal justice system, but, oh, boy, you could sure still help my team. You are only unemployed as long as the league suspends you for or unless a team says it's worth a chance. Your thoughts on on the fact that we keep going back to a point, and now we're, what, two days after this guy was incarcerated. So this is not just a little disturbance. Incarcerated to him being claimed by a team. Not surprised. 
the toxic. Is that sad? How sad is that? I'm not, I mean, I guess I'm sad. I'm so numb to it. The toxic masculinity is rooted within the NFL to why fans beat the hell out of each other at games. I mean, I'm thinking, and I'm thinking of that video that we saw of the Vikings fan strangling or attempting to strangle the Packers fan this past weekend to stuff like this, where a man was just arrested for he apparently slapped his girlfriend. And this was the same girl that was involved and recanted her statement and everything that she said about having a punctured eardrum and all the stuff that happened in uh, in California, near near Santa Clara, wherever wherever he lived, um, makes you wonder: was was that actually true? Did she recant because she was felt forced to recant? Because uh, the 49ers took a, a big waiver on him then, and they had no other choice but to release him. And I was out there when he was drafted, and I remember thinking, okay, John Lynch is either going to look like a genius for seeing something in this kid that that nobody else did. I mean. The red flags were freaking everywhere, Judd. He's sent home from the combine because A, he has a diluted sample, and B, he gets an all, in an altercation, I believe, with one of the nurses in that facility uh, in Indianapolis. And then he has a weed company sponsor his draft party, for the love of God. Like, it's, it, it, the marijuana thing was going to be an issue regardless. In this past year, he's been arrested three times. Once in Alabama for marijuana, whatever, weed, you know, that's a, that's, that's a discussion that is not nearly on the same page as domestic violence. Two incidences. Whatever happened that first time, it was thrown out in the court of law because she recanted her statement. This time, he was arrested and he, we were just watching it on Sports Center here in the studio of him going through the, you know, I guess the initial due process and going before a judge. The fact that he has a job right now or a potential job, I mean, the league can still suspend him. Uh, it doesn't surprise me, but it's disgusting. What's frustrating about it is the NFL, because of its size and its popularity and the fantasy element of it, the gambling element of it, uh, it, it is so invincible. The owners are, the franchises are that they can literally do anything they want and it doesn't seem to ever make a difference to their bottom line. And which is why, by the way, the Kaepernick thing is more about uh, them than it is about fans and how the fans feel. The, the fans, a lot of fans who don't like Colin Kaepernick feel like, yeah, we, they listen to us like that. No, that's, that's not true. That's not true at all. Uh, that, that's the, them feeling a certain way. Uh, and wanting Colin Kaepernick to not be around because he started and sparked a lot of players speaking out and thinking for themselves. It's not what you think, because if it mattered what fans thought, then Reuben Foster wouldn't get a job again, and Greg Hardy wouldn't have gotten a job so again. So why doesn't it, though? Like, why Why do we, or why, why does the Kaepernick thing seem to embolden them to say, that was too much, and, and you're unemployable, and you're a quarterback, too? I mean, this league is desperate. Why isn't there pushback on this? It's it's because Kaepernick got other players to start talking about how they feel about their organizations, how they feel about sometimes playing in the league, the atmosphere that's created for them. I don't think it had anything to do with fans being upset. I, I really don't. I think a lot of them have very strong leanings in certain ways. Uh, if you look up who they give their money to politically, uh, there are a lot of big donors on certain sides. And I think that all of that is just how they feel. They decided we don't want any more uh, leaders like him of some type of revolution that's going to take away from our game. Mm-hmm. So we're going to make sure that he never gets a job again. And by the way, good choice, Jacksonville. Way to blackball a quarterback. 
quarterback that could have gotten you to maybe the Super Bowl, Jacksonville. But anyway, uh, I think that that's the difference, that they know that Washington knows that nothing will happen. They still have a racist logo and name. It doesn't matter. Like Greg Hardy came back to the league, it doesn't matter. He would have been claimed if, though by somebody. Even even with he would have been. With, here's the thing: if the Minnesota Vikings had never suspended Adrian Peterson for a year, it would not have mattered. Their franchise would have been exactly where it is today. And I wonder sometimes if they regret it because maybe they would have made the playoffs that year. Adrian Peterson just said last week he's still beating his kids. Doesn't matter. The broadcast was so terrified by the NFL owners and and how they act that they wouldn't even bring it up. They quit. Listen, they quit this year. The networks all all agreed, and they had stopped doing this, or they didn't do this, but then they started last year or two years back. They they started to show the anthem, right? Mm -hmm. This year, the agreement was, and it was done very like, well, we didn't used to show it, that the league basically said, quit it. Don't show it. If guys sit then, fans can't see it. But this this type of thing to me, Courtney, is just it's so it's so sad because all right, let's say the legal justice system played out again and he was exonerated. And then you might say, All right, at this point in time he, he has to be allowed back in. I get that. But I mean, just from just if you totally remove the passion of this thing, this guy just got arrested. Like this this is it's embarrassing. The NFL And Collar's right. No one's gonna do a thing, but it's embarrassing. The NFL cares more and is more afraid of social justice issues than they are having convicted and unconvicted criminals in their league. I hope I, I hope that that's clear because oh, it is there is nothing that they think is easier to smooth over than somebody who's involved in domestic violence, involved in drugs, involved in guns, things like that. I mean, you bring up Greg Hardy throwing his girlfriend onto a pile of like assault rifles. Well, how about even I mean, Tyreek Hill? Like yes. that guy's just celebrated now. And, and Joe uh, Mixon? I mean, I mean, we yep. can go on and on about this. I mean, yep. th- it doesn't surprise me because this is a win at all cost league. I think this is not just limited though to the NFL. I mean, we've seen this in the NBA. I don't know. I can't think of examples off the top of my head in baseball and in um, the NHL right now, but the NFL, I think it's it's just personified because it's 16 games in a season and you have the playoffs. And you're going to do absolutely everything you have to do to get to the playoffs, whether it means getting a guy like Reuben Foster, who was literally in the slammer as of 48 hours ago, maybe even a little bit more now, but gets released when he's in jail. He doesn't even know that the team releases him until he probably gets out of there. So it's not surprising, but I think the NFL, the NFL is very backwards with their agenda and with their um, kind of the way that they handle these things, because they don't mind that these people are in the league because these people can play football. And just par for the course for the league, basically. This is just how it's it, they, it. It's just always been this way, and that's what sucks about it. It's just it's always been this way, and they don't care. And fans have always been in this situation where they have to sort of decide, right? Like they just want to watch their team play and not. Be concerned with whether you have convicts playing for your team. Uh, but then I think that there's a lot of fans who would say they just don't care. It's just not their but business. But here's what I want then. I want the league, and th- this won't happen, but just come out and say, we don't care. We yeah. don't. I mean, yeah. the, Vi- the Vikings initially called the Adrian Peterson, I think Spielman's words were... Disciplining were th- his child. Yes, disciplining his child. And they lost a major sponsorship deal well, because be- of that, because well, of that press conference. But just come out and say, we don't give a damn. 
and that, and that, but that's kind of the point, right? When you make decisions like they're making today on someone like Ruben Foster, you're basically uh, only beholden to the people who have the money. I mean, the, the fans are going to keep showing up. They know that. So the only people that swing any type of sword would be sponsors. And if sponsors aren't going to pull because of Washington's nickname, A, and then <laughs> their linebacker who is now on his third arrest. And then there's there's the other part that says... I mean, there are so many players who run into different issues. You end up in a real gray area of what are we, what are, what are we going to punish? What are we not going to punish? How are we going to clean up our league or not? You got someone like Josh Gordon who had to sit out for how long because of weed? What? And then like you're, it's bizarre. So he's getting punished for a long time, but then, you know, you get Ben Roethlisberger gets a four game suspension with what he did. And like, what, what is all of this and how are we supposed to deal with it? It's clear that the NFL still doesn't know because they put, this is a league also that puts its finger in the wind. And if there's enough pushback about this, he'll either be suspended or, or Washington will go back and say, whoops, I guarantee it. The Peterson thing. That was, uh, we're going to try this, we're going to try this. Oh, there's pushback, and sponsors pulled their sponsorship. We just had to get it right. We're, uh, yeah, exactly right. All right, let's, let's take a break. More football hour after this. But first time for Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, where you always... Mackie and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on your traffic here. 394, we've got a crash uh, eastbound. Uh, between Park Place and Highway 100, uh, factoring an 11-minute delay there in uh, Golden Valley. Also, 94 eastbound, we've got a crash in Minneapolis between Riverside Avenue and Franklin. Uh, that's about a nine-minute delay. And uh, also, 94, uh, we still have that crash up in Maple Grove uh, between 610 and 95th Avenue North, uh, factoring an extra 11 minutes there. Judd? Football! Football, yeah! Football! Yeah. All right, football hour yeah. continues. Zolgan. Collar and Cronin. All right, Collar, you have to uh, you have to be scratching your head when it comes to the job status of your favorite coach in this league, Doug Marone. <laughs> Douglas Charles Marone. Okay, Douglas Charles Marone on Sunday, I believe, Adam Schefter reported that his job is completely safe. On on Sunday afternoon, they then lost to the Buffalo Bills, correct? Yes. Okay, let's keep going down the path. On Monday, they fired their Offensive coordinator. Nate Hackett. Shortly thereafter, they bench Blake Bortles. So for Cody Kessler. Yeah. So which which by the way, we talked about when they had the joint practices here. But by the way, so to back up in all of this, how is Douglas Charles Marone's job still safe? I think it is just for this moment okay. that, that he will go to the end of the season. And then if they don't fire him, then I don't know what they're doing. I mean, they they took a team that was in really good shape, that maybe was bumped up a little bit by their schedule, and then, wow, the Steelers should have beaten them in 50 different ways in that playoff game, and they, unsurprisingly to anyone who watched Doug Marone when he was in Buffalo, which is only a few people, but anyone who studied what he did in in Buffalo was not shocked to see him botch the clock against the New England Patriots, and even at that point, it almost would have been like a Mike Malarkey type of thing where you could have fired Marone at that point for botching that so badly and blowing your chance at at the Super Bowl. And we talked about this when Jacksonville came up here for training camp, about how, like, this Jacksonville team is going to fall apart. Bortles can't even complete a pass against the Vikings' defense in practice. Like, there's no way that that team is a competing team. And then on Sunday against the Bills, they have 
the ball. They're down on the other side of the 50-yard line, and Doug punts, as Doug always does. And why he still has a job today, not entirely sure, but I don't think he's long for it. I don't think he can do it. I don't think he can handle being a head coach in the NFL, even if it's in the most irrelevant market possible. Do you think that this whole thing is happening right now because they slid, they had a one and eight slide. Yeah, they're three and eight right now. They're out of the playoffs. But to kind of take the pressure off of himself by being like, well, we need to make X, Y, and Z changes. So Shad Khan, though, at the end of the year, wondering, okay, like he, he, he tried to be proactive. He tried to make changes. He tried to fix it. When they were three and eight. When they were three and eight, well, November versus January. And what it really comes down to is for some reason, and this may not be Marone's fault or it might be. I, I don't know about the conversations that went on in the offseason about Blake Bortles, but I have no idea how you lock yourself in as a head coach to Blake Bortles when That's what I Case know. Keenum is available. Now, yep. he would have been perfect for them. That's a good defense where he could manage the game. How about Teddy Bridgewater? Yes. Teddy Bridgewater would have been the perfect guy. You get Bridgewater, if his knee's good, which it looked like it was with the Jets, he's great in, in training camp, he wins the job. I mean, these teams talk all about every position of like, we're going to get the best guy, we're going to get the best guy. Daniel Carlson misses a few field goals. Get out of here, Daniel Carlson, we're going to get another kicker. But you have a supremely mediocre to awful quarterback who has proven it over a number of years, and that's who you're hitching your wagon onto. I, I, I was just stunned after watching Bortles up close in practice that any team would lock themselves into him and only have Cody Kessler as your possible backup. At least bring somebody in to compete with him, to push him. Or don't sign him on February 24th at 7.35 p.m. Central Time on a Saturday night, a week before the Combine starts, in two and a half weeks before free agency. I mentioned this yesterday on the show. I don't understand why they were in such a hurry. Like, I know, they, cool, they sparked the free agency market, like, and everything else. That's that was the only so reason. dumb. Even, that was so dumb. Anyway, they had all this time. And by the way, there, there, was, there was no, there is no reason after watching Blake Bortles play to bring in competition for him. He's an incompetent quarterback. <laughs> like it doesn't take it doesn't take a lot to see that. You bring in competition for a guy who you think needs to be pushed. Blake Bortles needs to be pushed out the door. He's just not a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, he's a, I mean, he's a backup. He, it, oh, fine. I, I think as a backup quarterback, he'd be he'd be all right. But one of the other things that I don't understand is why they wouldn't have wanted to draft Lamar Jackson. That somehow the Ravens luck their asses into Lamar Jackson, who is at ve- at very least can win games. I'm sorry. Did you say luck their asses yes. into Lamar? <laughs> yes, luck, luck. Uh, Anyway, they luck into, I'll just remove that, that part of it, uh, Lamar Jackson. And, and now, I mean, it looked like he's, re, he's sort of reigniting their franchise all of a sudden, and he should have maybe been playing earlier. But uh, so he's, he looks like a dynamic talent who could get just better and better and better because he's still very young. Isn't that the guy that you want? Like, isn't that the perfect sort of guy to drop into a situation where you've got a, a running back who's very talented, a defense who's really good, and if he wins the job, he wins the job, and then you just try to work around anything Whoa. that he's got to improve on? Why would they stick with him when they had... I mean, this is like five options that we've mentioned here, and they selected none of them. Well, isn't Tom Coughlin, in theory, smarter than this, too? No. No, and he admitted it today. Yes. What did he say? Said something along the lines of like, what was it that they, they, hold on, let me find it. He, that, he doubled down. Yeah, he doubled down, but he's also kind of like, yeah, well, sh- stuff happens. And he's not. No, he's an old school coach. He's not an executive. 
He's not, he it's, thinks Doug Marone's good. So this must mm. entirely be based the on nature just of how the far game, they win. Sorry, the nature of the game got us. Oops. That's what that's what no. he said. Yes. No, no, no. This was this was three reporters standing on the sideline at a random training camp practice watching their quarterback and knowing before Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone that this was going to be a disaster. It was the most foreseeable thing possible, that their defense would drift back a little bit. They don't have a ton of weapons. Allen Robinson went somewhere else. Fournette, hey, just keep drafting running backs in the first round. That's a great (laughs) idea, right? It was the most foreseeable thing possible. It was entirely based on, oh, we got pretty far, so we'll just keep them. I mean, yeah, sure, the other teams have gotten into the playoffs with bad quarterbacks. That doesn't mean that you should just leave them there. He, they got there. It's amazing. They got there in spite of the quarterback, not because yeah. of him and didn't even defense. come close. And, and they, they played Buffalo I fi- in the wild card round last year. I That's fi- how they got there. I find, Worst and th- this is pr- probably because I'm old now, but as I age, I become more and more offended by stupid sports executives and, and coaches. When Mike McCarthy runs the ball into the A-gap on Sunday, I'm not a Packer fan. I'm really not, folks, but I'm PO'd. I mean, I'm literally like, I want to go down there and say, you, you stupid fatty, what are you doing? What? Are, no, seriously, what are you doing? It's the A-gap. This is the Vikings, you idiots. Linval Joseph, Run right man. into Linval. And, and when Sean I watch the Jaguars, I get mad now. I mean, I don't care about him, and I get mad. Breaking news. Judd Zolgad, Fat James, Mike McCarthy. Well, I'm sort of hefty myself these days, so I can say that, because we're both fatties. But I seriously, I mean, when, when I see Tibbs do stupid, these, these teams offend me. Well, this one was so bizarre considering all the options. I mean, even Tyrod Taylor was out there for trade. And Tyrod is not a great quarterback, as he showed in Cleveland and showed in Buffalo for multiple years. But... Okay, so he's better than Blake Bortles is, and maybe he gives you a chance to continue to be competitive. It, it's a it's a very bizarre thing, and coincidentally, will probably end up helping them because yeah. it finally had to blow up completely in their face for them to realize how bad this was. So now, what they're going to do is probably draft the top quarterback because they're three and eight now. They should just keep losing if they can with Cody Kessler. They won't. You go, know, something will happen. Go, They'll go, win. Well, it would be it's it would be classic like Doug Marone to win a couple games by and to accident. Finish eight at the and eight. End. Right. <laughs> like so he'll what he'll do is he'll punt on the other side of the fifty, but someone will fumble it and then they'll pick it up and go for a touchdown. So the punt was uh, secretly genius. Um they're they're the team that really held up a win over all the Patriots backups on week seventeen to make them go nine and seven. And they were like, Yeah, we had a winning record. I'm like, okay, guys. Um but I they're actually it's actually gonna work out for them. To be this bad that they will be able to draft the top quarterback and know for sure Bortles isn't their guy. And then they will still have a lot of these key pieces. So in a way, they'll actually have done themselves a solid because they were never going to win with Blake Bortles, even if they were competitive this year. Yet they're still handicapping themselves with the salary cap because of how much they owe him. They're in a very similar situation to what Denver was with. Brock Osweiler a few years ago. Houston, yeah. When Houston, they traded him to um, Cleveland. Did they trade him to Cleveland? Yes, the trade Cleveland. Cleveland. Yeah, that's and, right. Because, uh, yeah, he left, he left Denver, signed that ridiculous deal with yes. Houston, and then was on the hook for all that money. But yes. when you have a guy like Tom Coughlin saying the following, which I will read, okay. um, should not be surprising. So he was kind of going back and forth with reporters about this, and aren't you going to fill other pieces and try to be as good as you can be? And we tried, didn't we? Well, the nature of the game got us. So we got back to the drawing board. So we go back to the drawing board. But I'll put the gloves on with anybody that wants to talk about, and then parentheses, what moves the team made. 
So he's willing to fight reporters. I mean, I think the wheels that's are Coughlin. off. That's Coughlin. The wheels I, are off and the right. bus is crashed. I, I don't need gloves. That's I need stubborn you, old man. I need you, Tom Coughlin, to stand next to me and watch a man in a training camp practice go four for 12. Do you know, too? <laughs> here's what's frustrating. <laughs> that happened. Do you know what would have been the perfect move for them? Absolutely perfect. With that defense in place, you hire Shermer. The worst place for Pat to go was the Giants. Like, that was the worst job. That market's too big. But if you had hired Shermer and attached a Vikings quarterback to him, yeah. mm-hmm. Case or Teddy, yep. and he goes down there and coaches, and, and you have a beat writer or two, and that's it, and you don't have to worry about a lot of columnists and tons of questions, I think it could have been incredibly successful. And instead, you stick with Doug Marone, and Shermer, meanwhile, goes to the worst place possible, who, by the way, keeps their quarterback. That is... He would have been, if Pat had gone, I, I really believe this, to Jacksonville or the Cardinals, it would have been two perfect markets for him. I think this place is going to eat him up. Yeah, the Cardinals, though, I they need like four more years to build around. Poor, I think that guy might get Josh fired. Rosen. I mean, Josh Rosen would have been a situation where I would have said, don't even play him. Like, their offensive yeah. line is so bad, they just cut Andre Smith. They've been starting Andre Smith. They did cut him? Yeah, they cut Isn't him. Isn't Colby Gossett starting for them at, like, right guard? He's, he's on the practice squad of the Vikings, who have the second-worst offensive line in the league. <laughs> like, like, what? It's a, it's a terrible situation for Rosen, and, I mean, maybe they become the Bears for, for next year, but they still they don't even have the pieces in place like we could see with the Bears, and then you have to get really lucky with a Khalil Mack trade. So that, I don't think that would have been a good situation Actually, I think with Pat Shermer that he's done about the best you could do with two playmakers, a quarterback, and an atrocity of an offensive line. It's just a, quarter- a tough place for a quarterback. For coach. A quarterback who's not good anymore. Yeah, and, and is is so scared and timid. He's leading the league in sacks. He just he can't move anymore. Shermer's trying his best, but the pressure of that situation that's what's really tough because I something popped up in my Twitter feed the other day of. People like media members slamming Shermer. This is Shermer's fault. They're not oh, yeah. better. I was like, wait a minute. Was it his fault they like, didn't draft a quarterback? Well, but Eli Manning is having like one of his best but statistical that, years. But that market is so difficult. Oh, sure. I mean, the yeah. freaking New York Post is there every day trying to find warts and problems. And they'll ask her cousins about um, Olive Garden. Yeah, exactly. They will never blame Eli Manning either. He, he just walks yeah. on water because of the Super Bowls. And so it's going to be everybody else's fault. But like Manning is bad, and the fact that he's even getting that much offense out of him is kind of a miracle. And then you got Odell running his mouth too every week. Right, right. And then didn't he stop using Saquon Barkley too? The use in the, of the second, second half, half. Yeah, and that was completely very weird. That was bizarre. And, and his answer to that made absolutely no sense. Yeah. So football, football, yeah, football, football. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there. On 1500 ESPN. Are you ready? Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. We are ready. Now back to Mackie and Judd. Ready! On 1500 ESPN. New today on digital, Tom Cruise returns as Ethan Hunt and the film critics are calling the best action movie in years, Mission Impossible Fallout, packed with incredible jaw-dropping stunts, get Mission Impossible Fallout now on Vudu before Blu-ray. Rated PG-13 from Paramount Pictures. Also, head to the 1500 ESPN stream player now for your chance to win your own digital copy. Thank you, Manny Hill, TCL Broadcast Studios. It is the football hour. Zolgad, Collar, and Cronin, of course. Um, Purple Live comes up at 6 o'clock. All right, Collar. 
You would like to uh, update your quarterback rankings, is that correct? Well, basically. I, right. I, I think it, when we were talking about this in the offseason, we were having trouble figuring out where to place some of the people in the middle. Some of the uh, the unproven's, you know, your Pat Mahomes and your, uh, you know, some of the quarterbacks who just haven't been around very long. And after last night, I just want to welcome Deshaun Watson to the quarterbacks you would absolutely start a franchise with, and I believe can win a Super Bowl club. It is it is not Aaron Rodgers? It is not Tom Brady? It is not Drew Brees? And almost no one is. But in the middle, mm-hmm. right behind those guys, second tier, I would like to welcome Mr. Watson into the second tier. And, and the second tier includes like Andrew Luck, Give me the Russell players. Wilson. All right. I mean, the, the guys who are just right, right behind that. Uh, Cousins, I think, is in the third tier. Okay. I, I th- you, you probably have Philip Rivers, second tier. There's like, there's the three that just have this like shining light with them. When you say like breeze, it's just like, but then the the rest who maybe haven't That's won a Super house, Bowl yet. Mine. Okay, look, I was watching a 91 wildcard game last night, and let me tell you about that. Okay, I'm just kidding. I'm sure I watched run a and lot. Shoot. I was probably drinking beer. Run and shoot, man. Um, oh, run and shoot. But so, yeah. so right after Thanks, you, Mouse Davis. Right after you have Mahomes because he's going to have to continue to do it. All right, Philip Rivers, who's done it for a long time. He's amazing, but he's not Drew Brees. And I think Deshaun Watson is right there. Russell Wilson, Andrew Luck, same category. And then after that, that's where you get Matt Stafford. That's where you have Kirk Cousins. I think Cam Newton is probably there. Matt Ryan is probably there. Jared Goff is probably in the second tier, right? But I You think, don't know yet? Um, no, on Goff? Yeah, I think he is. You're wavering I mean, on Goff? No, I, think I, I put him in third tier. It's such an amazing right system, but he's also he can also ball, though. Like What he did against the Vikings was insane. I mean, just throw after throw after throw. So when you go tier, are you going 5-5-5 five, 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 and then 5? No, no, I'm just... like I think there's only three guys who are in the like all-time great, cannot touch them, so much better than everyone else, it's not close. So Rodgers, Brady, and... And Breeze. You wouldn't put Wilson in there? No, not yet. Okay. Um... Well, I mean, maybe not. Oh, I'm close on that one. He's in my top four. He's that the second tier is amazing, though. That's what I'm saying. Like the second tier is Rivers, who's an MVP candidate. Second tier is you can win a Super Bowl. They can win the MVP. Stop for a second. What would it take for Aaron to fall out of tier one? Nothing. He ain't gonna. I don't think so. Okay. No. All right. I was just curious because well, because according to Packer fans, he's like well, number thirty two right now. There's a lot of people upset, so I'm just asking if there would be be something that would allow you to, to put him in tier two. I'm not doing that. I'm just asking if, you. If his coach stays around another year, maybe. Yeah, that's possible. I mean, he's not staying. Like no, but I mean, that's... Um, Wilson, to me, is in tier one right now. Yeah, he is. What, I mean, what we saw on Sunday again, it was remarkable. That is That Seattle team is a nice... It, it might be a nice sort of ascending team without him. What they're doing, what they're doing with their talent right now with him is incredible. Okay, yeah, it, it means hard to fight. It's just I, these those other guys are like the legends of the game, and I think Wilson is almost there. All right, and Philip Rivers, if he wins a Super Bowl, will be talked about as one of the best quarterbacks ever, but just not quite there. He'll be in that like Kurt Warner level of like, wow, that guy was amazing, but he's not Steve Young, or he's not you know like in that upper elite, elite, elite uh, sort of echelon. And but I think that Deshaun Watson belongs in that second conversation. Of course, he's only in his second year, so he's not like a Hall of Famer yet or anything like that. But right with the please give me that man as my franchise quarterback for a super-duper long time, and my franchise will be money. So when it comes to to guys like Deshaun and 
Mahomes, tell me this. Why do teams have problems identifying them? Like, why isn't that a, the, the amount of money, time, and effort, right, that's put into draft picks, and especially that position, why is it difficult for teams not to land on saying that is a surefire starting arm talent guy? Because it's weird to me that when you look at the amount of money put into and, and the time that they spend scouting and this and that, that they're, that when it comes to that position, there's still mistakes made. Because I think it's the athlete component that scares a lot of teams. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's, um, you know, just because take a look at what they both do really well in Mahomes and Watson. I mean, uh, Watson yesterday had 70 rushing yards. I think that a lot of teams see that and say, okay, athlete. Why was Lamar Jackson looked at as a wide receiver? Mm-hmm. Athlete. Um, that to me was just, you know, it's part of that argument. And I think that they want their pro style quarterbacks. They want the Kirk Cousins prototype, even though obviously he went to the fourth round. Um, they're not looking at these guys thinking that's a true NFL type quarterback, in my opinion. I, I think that the black quarterback tropes still exist, that teams yep. will highlight the things they don't do well more than they will with white quarterbacks. And Mitch Trubisky's a great example. Mm -hmm. Mitch Trubisky is not a good quarterback, and he's not a great prospect. I watched his games in North Carolina. I was very interested in that draft, and I thought he's okay. And I talked to people who study the draft really closely, and they looked at his numbers, and they thought he's okay. He's like a late first-round type of quarterback who ends up being the top guy, as opposed to Deshaun Watson, who had his two best games against Alabama, including winning a game-winning drive, leading a game-winning drive to beat them, and had all the skills, too. And Patrick Mahomes, I mean, oh my gosh, the guy was throwing for 700 yards He's making throws that only Brett Favre has ever made in college. When he does the Gruden camp, when Mahomes did with the Gruden camp, Gruden played a clip like five times, and he said, I've never seen anyone make that throw before. I've never seen this. This is so insane. What you just did with your arm, I've never seen it before. But yet, he's not going to be the top guy over Mitch Trubisky, who couldn't get his footwork right and still can't? Like, it's so bizarre, there's only one explanation for it. Same with Lamar Jackson. You draft Josh Allen, who can't complete 60% of his passes, versus the Heisman guy? Like, Allen can't process the game quickly at all and is inaccurate, but here's Lamar Jackson, who's throwing the ball all over the place and running? Like, there's only one way to look at it for me. And even with Russell Wilson, like the fact, oh, oh, he was short, he was short. Really? Well, why did that get highlighted so much more than some of the other massive shortcomings of someone like... Blake Bortles, whose shortcoming yeah. was throwing the football good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it kind of it makes you wonder now because, like, what you said, like with Russell Wilson and the in the knock about his height and everything. Why can't Kyler Murray be in that conversation when you see what he's doing at Oklahoma and that doesn't translate allegedly to the NFL? When we've seen those types, he may be short, but. We've seen those type of quarterbacks do pretty darn well in the NFL if you get in the right system. That's what I don't understand. Whether it's it's not black and white, um, and, and not in terms of like the racial thing, but it's right. it's not it's it's not a it's not a cut and dry thing. I think that you can make workarounds with it, and you can get a lot of success out of those people. So does the the way that the pro game is now evolving into the college game more and more change that? Because we are seeing we're basically now seeing the college game go into the pros, which should make things scouting wise easier. Right, because then, because there, there was a time where where scouts would say, well, it's hard to extrapolate the game from the college to the pros because our offenses run differently. Well, now not so much. 
So are we getting to the point now where you can go scout a college game and basically take that game and lay it on top of a pro game and say, no, this is very similar? Well, I think what makes it tough with quarterbacks in general is that, and uh, the, Sheldon Richardson and I had a conversation about this, that you don't actually even have to be good. Name dropper. Well, it's in an article. And, you know, but but <laughs> it was interesting to hear him say it, though. He said, yeah. you don't even have to be good to put up numbers in the NFL today. And that is Mitch Trubisky. Watch Mitch Trubisky throw the ball. It's not good. Every once in a while he hits on a play, and man, the dude can run. But like throw after throw, he is not close. But he's got this offensive guru, and they're doing a lot of the things that college coaches have done to cover up for bad quarterback play for years and years and years. I think it makes it even harder to figure out who can actually win because everyone has a 100 quarterback rating. So wait, who's actually making the throws that'll win you games on third and long in the playoffs? Well, I don't know if Mitch Trubisky's that guy. His defense certainly is legit, but I don't know if he's actually that good of a quarterback. And yet, he can look good because of what his offensive coordinator can do. And that's where it makes it really difficult. And then you have the opposite situation in Arizona, where their offensive coordinator was such a doofus that... He's making Josh Rosen look horrible. What, what what ends up happening is that the supporting cast for these quarterbacks outside of those Tier 1, Tier 2 are what are determining if you're good statistically and if you're actually a successful quarterback and not even if you're good at the position anymore. All right, come back and wrap up the football hour and then don't forget Purple Live at 6 o'clock. Zolgad, Collar, Cronin, Manny Hill. Don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Start churning butter and put on your church shoes, little sister, because we're about to blast off. On 1500 ESPN. Well, we moved the ball well, I thought, you know, and I thought we kept them off balance. You know, we ran a rocket sweep for a first down. You know, there was a bunch of times we, I, I felt like we were keeping them off balance. They blitzed us and we had extra protection in there one time. Um, you know, just the flow of the game, I felt like it was a, uh, a good uh, mixture. All I know is that John Filippo is one of the best offensive coordinators in the history of football. Mike Zimmer told me last week's kerfuffle is over. This week... Flip knows exactly what, what he's doing, and I'm just ha- happy that everything at TCO Performance Center, performance as Matthew Collar likes to call it, is perfect. Nobody's talking about volume this week, are they? I don't know. Was that, was, that was the right, that was apparently the right amount of volume. They got the volume just right. Which about I, eight or nine. It's just, it's interesting because what Zimmer had said last week on that Monday, and, and kind of even like, you know, contradicting himself with what he said about Matt Nagy and the 800 plays and how difficult that is for defenses. Therefore, that's a good thing, I think. Uh, but then kind of doubling back yesterday yep. uh, with what he said, you know, flips getting bit in the rear end, I think is one of the things. Or <laughs> I, someone's, was try- you know, I was trying to get this uh, exactly People what he had to are say. saying that. People okay. are saying okay. that. Oh, like, no, well, I don't, <laughs> I didn't hear that. The, the exact quote is, I know people have been on his rear end a little. On and, his rear end. I'm biting been, him in the rear end. And they've been on my bad. rear end a little bit, too, and that's fine. Uh, excuse me. People? Excuse me, Michael J. Zimmer. What's his middle name? Anybody I don't know, but... Uh, people. I'll look it up. People. 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 Playoffs. Talk about the people who criticize you. Practice. People. Oh, I didn't see that wait, wait, quote. What? That's marvelous. What? Yeah. Wait, 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 what? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think you're looking for whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa. That was you, Mike. Yeah, there was one person the who there was one person who was very critical of it last week, and it was Mike Zimmer. And right. you know, for better or for worse, he 
flipped that around it, and basically said, well, all you people were going to flip it around. <laughs> oh, please stop. Christ, please stop. Right? It was also, it was also on, very clear from the post-game quotes on Sunday that there was a lot of come-to-Jesus meetings oh, yes. last week. Well, yes. He, he this met was, with cousins several times. I know, but you could tell from the quotes, yes, that this was... This was internally a huge deal. This was, as we as we've pointed out, they were not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs if they lost this game, but it carried every bit of that mm-hmm. feel going into Week 12. If you lose that game, you drop to a 27% chance to make the playoffs, according to ESPN's FBI, and you have the Patriots, you go from one coast to the other in back-to-back weeks, two games that you're not going to be favored in, and you don't win this game, the game that you're supposed to win, because... All they've been able to do so far this season is win the games that they're supposed to win, Absolutely, Sans yeah. Buffalo. Yep. But that's their ceiling right now. And if they didn't win this one, I think that the discourse coming out of the Vikings facility and everything you hear in press conferences, I think it would be a very tense time in that facility for everyone on staff. I think that Mike Zimmer saved John Filippo's job for him by telling how? by having the meetings and telling him exactly how he should offense. Because when I went back and watched, we saw a lot of Shermer uh, against the Packers. We saw very simple concepts rolling him out, as you had mentioned many times, Courtney, roll the man out. Well, I'm, just, I'm, all, in I'm the all about changing the launch point. That's what I know. And I love, You've been uh, you saying know, this. I've been saying terrific in the boots since Mike Zimmer said terrific football. in the boots. Yeah. I'm just going to keep firing this till we're done. And and I'm not joking. I mean, that was an article you wrote about. Yes, like, because the play he, these guys well, just stops there. He's I think you're the right. Same launch, but but again, okay. But I'm offended by this because again, we're talking about running the offense, not in a genius way, a way that makes sense. Yeah, right. Like Kirk Cousins, you could tell that sometime when he sat down with Zim last week, mm-hmm. Mike looked at him and said, "Kurt, hang on to the football." Did he say Kurt? He can't call Kurt? Him Kurt? I said Kurt. Okay. On purpose. Wait, right. you, do you think Mike called him Kurt? He I think you might have. Oh, no, he Lord. doesn't care. He said Kurt. So he calls Daniil Danell, so oh, I, he definitely yeah, does not care. He said care. Kurt with a C. I want <laughs> you to hang on. Seriously, did you guys see on Sunday whenever Cousins mm-hmm. got hit or was about oh, to get yeah. hit? And he, he tucked that thing. He pulled it down and he tucked it. We've been How long have we been saying this for? And he didn't try to do anything special when he no. got blitzed or yes. when there was a potential and Mike, for a sack. It was no mistake that Mike managed to work in a term about he managed the game well. Yeah. Yep. That was not a mistake. And I think with the play action, too, I mean, Cousins has been more explosive off of play action against the Packers than any other team he's played against uh, this year. And more so against the Packers in any other point of his career. Mm-hmm. So that's an element, as you were talking about last week, they were 21st in play action percentage. And now all of a sudden what happens? You you do the best thing. You you make you make that you make that part of his game relevant again, and look what happens. They give, have explosive games. Just give Delvin Cook the ball. Just give it to him. All right, uh, right. Purple just Live comes up next. Him, More of this conversation without me. Collar and Cronin. See you guys. Cat.